wish to greet each one in Jesus' name this morning. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. I appreciated the uh, young folks sharing up here. Um, I was coming up the steps, and, and now don't take this compliment, don't let it get to your heads, but I was coming up the steps, and I thought it sounded so good, I, I was just sure that, that Elisa must be in that group. And uh, anyways, my wife's shaking her head, but uh, no, that I, I really, I really mean it. That's uh, it's it's more than sounding good is the glory that that the Lord receives from it, uh, from the singing and from the sharing, and it's a very nice way to to uh, bring us all into the to the uh, mood or the sense of worship, I believe. So keep it up, young folks. This morning's message is titled, uh, Pilot's Bane. Now, I know that that has a hint of Tolkien, Bane, but really I was uh, looking for a good definition for what I was trying to express, and and Bane seemed like the best word. Um, The definition of Bane, Pilot, you know who he is, And the definition for Bane is source of harm or misfortune. And the antonym is boon or a blessing. Now, Jesus is in the the situation that Pilate found himself in. And this is taken out of John 18, so you can turn your Bibles to there. The entire message um, will be is based from, from this passage. The where Bane comes in for Pilate is where Jesus comes on the scene and, and Pilate doesn't really have a what he finds a good choice. But uh, I want to look again at Bane. You know, how can Jesus be a Bane to anyone? Um, for everyone that that had a true need and came to Jesus with a true heart, uh, Jesus was a blessing uh, for the sick, for the destitute, for the friendless, uh, for Zacchaeus, uh, and many, many others, for the cripple. Jesus was a blessing. He was a true blessing. He changed hearts. He changed lives. He changed, he healed out of his being flowed blessing. And so how could he have been a bane to Pilate, a source of harm or misfortune. Well, remember, Pilate was a career politician. And uh, politicians live by being politicos, by trying to appease both parties, by coming to a, a solution that will make everyone happy enough to vote for them, to support them, uh, to keep them in power. And when Jesus showed up in Pilate's hall, um, that Passover morning, Pilate was left with a stark choice. You know what happened before that Passover morning, that night, that dark night? Jesus was taken in. He was tried by Caiaphas, by the uh, Jewish hierarchy, the Sanhedrin, and uh, they had their kangaroo court, so as to speak. They slapped him. They mistreated him, mocked him and pronounced him guilty. 
and then took him to, to Pilate and accused Jesus of being a uh, usurper or a person that was trying to uh, make himself out to be king, trying to, try to make Jesus out to Pilate as being a threat to the Roman government. An inspiration for this message was several Sundays ago on Easter morning, Brother Sonny was, shared a message on, on, um, on uh, an Easter message. And, and we sang this song, uh, Jesus is Standing in Pilate's Hall, What Will You Do with Jesus?, and I'd like to read this song again. I was struck uh, listening to the song. It's one that I sang as a youth in a chorus. We sang many times. And it always left an impression on me. Um, I'm not exactly, it's found in our songbooks, but I'll, I'll read the lyrics here. Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hearken what meaneth the sudden call. What will you do with Jesus? So imagine a Roman building, Roman edifice, you know, the, the large columns and the large expansive hall. And imagine Jesus being brought into here and being faced with this earthly ruler, this earthly governor, so to speak. And he's on trial here in front of this, this governor. You know, it's not something, a court date that was set out um, by man's choice, months ahead or weeks ahead. It's a court date that came by God's choice. It was this morning, so as to speak. And, and Pilate's also faced with, in his hall, is this man uh, that the Jews obviously hate with a bitter hatred, and they want him put to death. They want him gone, and Pilate, I think, is confused. He's puzzled. How could it be that there's, you know, these people hate one of their own so badly? And uh, he, he, he feels like he needs to get to the bottom of this and there's not time. <clears throat> what will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will you do with me as a chorus? Jesus is standing on trial still. You can be false to him if you will. You can be faithful through good or ill. What will you do with Jesus? Will you evade him as Pilate tried? Or will you choose him whatever be tied? Vainly you struggle from him to hide what will you do with Jesus? Will you, like Peter, your Lord, deny? Or will you scorn from his foes to fly, daring for Jesus to live or die? What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? So Pilate had a call to duty. And Peter had a call to loyalty. And this message this morning is a call to submission and servanthood. And what will we do with Jesus? And I'd like to look at Pilate's response and some at Peter's as well. People have faced this decision, what to do with Jesus, for many, many, many years. Let's look at what Pilate did. And let's look at this, past, this uh, passage of Scripture uh, John 18, and we'll break into verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus, I'll be reading out of the NIV here, from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. 
So the Jews couldn't. It was the Passover day. It was God had chosen the setting here. Uh, remember the, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Um, God had chosen the setting, the timing. And the Jews didn't want to go in because it was a Passover. It would be make them ceremonially unclean. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If you were not a criminal, they replied, We would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take, your, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Pilate's question here gives us insight into what the prosecution strategy was. Again, I think they were trying to say, this man's trying to overthrow Rome. And they were presenting Jesus this way to Pilate. Arouse his jealousy. Anyways, Jesus answers Pilate back or with, with a question. Is this your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And here Pilate gives a very hard punch back to Jesus to tell a person that he's been turned in, he's been betrayed, and to force that person to acknowledge that his own people have, have done this. You know, that, that's, a hard, that's a hard blow. Betrayal is, is painful. Rejection is painful on, on any level, and especially when your own have betrayed and rejected you. And, and so this is, a, this is a hard punch that Pilate gives here. Jesus answers, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. An interesting response here on the part of Jesus. Jesus didn't say, yes, I am a king, or no, I'm not a king. Jesus says, I was born to testify to truth. Um, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So, you know, what that's telling me is that Jesus is saying, I'm so much more than a king. I am the bread of life, like we read about this morning. I am the the uh, living water. I am the creator, the sustainer of the universe. Um, so much more than, than a king. He testifies to truth. And all that, all that are on the side of truth listens to him, to Christ. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for charge against him. Now Pilate expresses his belief that Jesus is not guilty and that regarding the Roman government, he's benign. He's not a threat to the Roman government. You know, the Jews were trying their best to arouse that jealousy in Pilate by, by painting Jesus as a possible you know, a serper of his throne. 
And, and Pilate makes it clear to them, he doesn't see Jesus in that capacity. So Pilate tries another tactic, but it is your custom, he says, for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. And so they're shouting, give us a criminal. You know, they seem to be saying, yeah, a criminal we can deal with. But this Jesus, this man, this person is beyond our capacity. If we can't beat him, we'll kill him, seems to be their strategy, their approach. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And floggings were cruel. We know those of us that have read of the Roman government and their ways of mistreating people, uh, we know that the floggings were, were cruel. They were barbarous in every sense. And, and, but even in this, Pilate seemed to be trying to steer this trial away from, from crucifixion, a crucifixion result. Maybe Pilate thought, and I, I, I would think this, maybe he thought that the, a scourging would uncover whatever was causing this intense hatred on the part of the Jews towards Jesus. Was there something that Jesus was hiding, perhaps? You know, even very tough, tough men, hardened men, when they were faced with that scourging, would plead for mercy, would uh, confess, would do whatever needed to be done to try to stop that that awful beating that many times resulted in death. Maybe Pilate thought that if Jesus was truly innocent, that uh, through this trial of scourging, that the people's hatred would be pacified, would be mollified, and, and they'd consent to see Jesus released. But whatever Pilate's thoughts or his strategies were, he had Jesus flogged the Son of God, flogged. John 19, verse 2, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him, they clothed Jesus in a purple robe. And these blood-calloused soldiers had no idea who they were dealing with. You know, had they known the power of this man they were dealing with, that he was king of kings, lord of lords, and that he was the person they were mocking, I'm sure their blood would have ran cold. They would have backed up. They would have been like dogs running with their tails between their legs. But they didn't know. They didn't know who they were dealing with. Pilate, in 19 verse 3, went up to him again. Well, the, the soldiers went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face. You know, slapping someone in the face, I don't know if any one of you have experienced that being slapped in the face. I remember as a young man having been slapped in the face hard enough that, that uh, it, it hurt pretty badly. And, uh, you know, it elicits a response when you get slapped in the face, either one of, you know, real anger or you're running or it elicits a response as opposed to just standing there and taking it. Um, 
But Jesus didn't run. He didn't fight back. He stood there. He took it. Um, as only the Son of God could. And I'm sure Pilate was witnessing that. I'm sure he saw that. And he, it, it did something to him. Verse 4, once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, and this is in chapter 19. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, look, I'm bringing him out to you to know that I find no basis for charge against him. Pilate again appeals to the angry mob to consider justice. I'm sorry, I think I misled you. I told you it would be out of John 18. That's the background, but it's also out of John 19 here. Um, Pilate again appeals to the angry mob to consider justice. Look, you know, I don't find a basis for charge against him. And then Jesus comes out wearing this crown of thorns and a purple robe that the soldiers had put on him. And Pilate said to them, here is the man. And I like how it's stated in the King James Version better here. It says, behold, the man. You know, Pilate seems to be trying to convey something to this crowd. Maybe he's trying to convey to them, what could possibly be so bad about this man? What could possibly be so dangerous about this man? I also think that maybe Pilate suspected something larger here when he stated, behold the man. Maybe he noticed that, that the love, the absence of hatred in Jesus' face and his demeanor the calm confidence, even in this situation of horrible humiliation. Behold the man. Certainly a sense of Christ's power must have been evident. He was the Son of God. You know, he could have called 12 legions of angels to come and deliver him. To, you know, get rid of his enemies. He had his, as if you would you know, say the nuclear option in his, at his grasp and he didn't exercise it. He just, he was just there, the son of God, the son of man, um, taking what was being given to him, taking the cross. And I, I believe Pilate discerned something of that. This man didn't bear the signs of a criminal. This man had a gentle noble bearing that de demonstrated something other than earthly. It didn't demonstrate what he would have seen in criminals. That same sort of response. Verse 6, as soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. Pilate sees his authority to protect here. But he leaves a final plea for justice. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. And the truth is that for Christ to make the claims he made falsely would have been an ultimate form of blasphemy. Either the Jews had to choose to accept, to embrace Christ as Messiah, or reject him in all the evidences. They had a choice here to make. And they chose to reject. The truth is truth though. And the Jews rejecting Christ's claim to, to uh, be Messiah. 
change nothing except their own standing. Christ was still Messiah. This person they were mocking, scourging, blaspheming, was still the Son of God. And their only hope of salvation, the bread of life. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. Think again here. Pilate observed, he discerned something different and compelling about Jesus. You know, the same divine power of Christ that brought about that demonic mob opposition was not lost on Pilate. I think he saw there was such a difference here. And he sensed that in his court, in his hall that morning, he had a very, very unusual person. He went back inside the palace and he said, asked Jesus, where do you come from? Jesus gave him no answer. Now Pilate makes another attempt of interrogating Jesus here. Where are you from? I want to know who I'm dealing with. You know, I, I just think he must have had a real sense of insecurity here. And, and, the, bio, and the, the other gospels would, would, uh, would, would show that, demonstrate that. He was very insecure in, in his position here with Jesus. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have a power to either free you or to crucify you? In essence, he's saying, don't you realize that you're in my power? You're in my hands? You know, what do you have to gain by snubbing me, by not answering me? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of the greater sin. And Jesus clearly lets Pilate know here, who is judging who? Who is the servant here? And that the governor is actually judging the Son of God. Pilate could connect those dots, I think. He could see that that power from above, Jesus was putting, was, was, uh, was taking ownership of that. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. It seems like he wrestled with the Jews from then on, with the Jewish hierarchy. And it's worth noting that had Jesus made only a, a, a normal human re, uh, presentation to Pilate, that Pilate would have not likely responded like he did to Jesus here. He wouldn't have tried to set Jesus free. Uh, he, would have, he would have seen Jesus' answer, that answer above, uh, you would have no power over me. He would have seen it as a, as a clear uh, defiance or it would have elicited a, a, a response of, of jealousy, but it didn't. Uh, it said Pilate tried even harder to set Jesus free at that time. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. The Jews play their, their trump card here. You may say this man is not guilty, but he's claiming to be a king. You know, Pilate had nothing left to draw. If this mob rioted, Rome would be upset. Caesar would be upset. There would be no way for their, how many soldiers? 600, several thousand even. I don't know. But there was no way for them to keep control of this huge 
Passover crowd if the, if the mob rioted. And if the word got to back to Caesar that there was a riot and that uh, it was because that Pilate let somebody that was trying to usurp his position or a position of Rome, you know, what could Pilate do? He, he would certainly be, be brought to Rome and be tried and so forth. And so there was no middle ground anymore for Pilate. And that's where the word bane came to my mind, Pilate's bane. There was no middle, middle ground. There was no uh, political solution. He had to either choose Christ or the mob in this, for this and, and choose the outcome. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at the place known as the Stone Pavement, which is in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of the preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. Again, it seems to, to me that Pilate was trying to demonstrate to the mob the improbability of this humiliated, physically broken, and humble man being a threat to, to them. But they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Pilate again appealed. They categorically denied Jesus, and they said, we only have allegiance to Caesar. And it wasn't so many years for us, you know, when we look back at the history of the, of the Jews here, it wasn't so many years that, that Caesar caused, or Herod caused, the temple to be destroyed. You know, so much, so much... Uh, um, Pain and, and so forth came as a result of of, uh, of of Rome having leveled out the Jerusalem. It said no no stone in the temple was left unturned, and that was because that was Jesus' prophecy that no stone in the temple would be left unturned, and that was because there was silver between those stones. There was precious metals, and the uh, Roman government burned that temple just to to get out to make all that those metals and so forth um, melt. And, and then they, they unturned the, the stones and, and then the temple was literally destroyed, like Jesus said. Anyways, going back to verse 16, finally Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Finally, Jesus, uh, finally Pilate cedes all authority uh, to, the, to the soldiers to the mob, basically, to have Jesus crucified. We don't know how this act was accomplished. You know, Pilate had to do it. He had to either, you know, say, take him, or maybe he had to write down and use a signet. Um, but Pilate's final will was, was, had to be there in a legal sense for them to be able to take and crucify Jesus. And, and he carried that through. He gave that... Um, command. So I'd like, like to look back over this again. What did they do with Jesus? The, the disciples deserted Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. The Sanhedrin held shameful kangaroo court and abused, beat and humiliated Christ, condemned him. The soldiers roughly took Christ to the beating post where the torturers scourged him mercilessly after they were finished. They, they threw a purple robe over Jesus' lacerated flesh and pressed a thorny crown into his scalp to mock Christ's 
claim of kingship. And then they cruelly mocked, slapped, and spit on the Holy Son of God. This was the soldiers. The Jewish hierarchy stirred the mob to a calculated and tenacious drive for, for Jesus' blood. And there's others we could talk about. Judas, his response, the tumult, um, Herod's response. But I'd like to look again at, at, at Pilate, his response. Maybe it more closely mirrors what our response as a general is. You know, maybe, maybe uh, the reason it, it uh, feels more familiar to me is that you know, we all have this opportunity, in a sense, Jesus is in our hall this morning, or at some point in our life, he will be there if he's not. And we have a choice to make. And, and maybe, you know, Jesus can look to us like something not so, somebody not so threatening, or maybe he can look very threatening um, if we really get to know who he is. Maybe we try to make him out to what we want him to be. What is truth? Like Pilate said. Um, and, and you know. Just, just try to. Kind of steer away from having to make a decision. Pilate's main maneuver that I've seen. That, that stood out to me is, is how that he tried to. Present Jesus as that. Customary. Um, person to. To prisoner to, to release. You know, Jesus was not officially a prisoner. He had not been tried yet by Roman court. And, and Pilate tried to present Jesus as someone that could be released here instead of uh, one of the criminals. You know, this would have been a, an easy out for Pilate. It would, have, it would have showed the Jewish people that Pilate considered him guilty, and it would have forever left a mark on Christ. And it would have uh, kept Pilate from having to crucify Jesus. You know, it would have been a, a good political result there, I think, for Pilate. But there are many other, you know, when we look at Pilate here and, and what all he tried to do for Jesus, it, it's pretty impressive. He wrestled with that Jewish hierarchy. He knew, you know, whether it was for Christ or whether it was for his sense of law and order, he did wrestle to try to keep Jesus from from being crucified. He was afraid of Jesus. But ultimately, he wholly ceded his authority to the will of the mob. Shall I crucify your king? In essence, the outgunned, outmaneuvered Pilate is saying, I leave Jesus at the mercy of this frothy tide of hateful humanity. You know, finding the will of the mob overpowering, he lets the Roman soldiers, he commands them to take Jesus to be crucified. So what will you do? What will I do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. We can't be neutral. We can't just say, well, we're just here or there. You know, if we make Jesus out to be something other than what he is, if we don't give him full right and ownership and and recognize him as the bread of life in our lives, we're really only making a, a graven image. It may be a mental image. It may be 
Not, you know, it may not be a, the physical image that was made out of wood, stone, steel, or, or silver, precious metals, but it's an image nonetheless. It's a god that's, that's uh, nothing less than a false idol. But we can't be neutral. We either have to, to take Christ as he is or else deny him. You know, even the disciples didn't know what to do with Jesus. Some of them disappeared in his hour of distress. Peter denied him. And truth be told, the implications of, of giving our heart to Jesus is breathtaking. It involves our whole being. It involves so much more than what we even anticipate, I think, many times. It's not a decision to be taken lightly. It's not a decision to be ignored or to be pushed off. It's a decision that sets the, uh, the course for today in our lives and for eternity, for tomorrow. There's that saying that says we're a spiritual being having a physical experience. Um, and I think that's... I think that's so right, so true. We, we tend to think we're physical and there's this, there's this spiritual when we forget that we're really a spiritual being with a physical body that's only here for a bit and, and forget the, all the implications that go with that, how important it is to choose for eternity. When I look at this song and, and the verse... Jesus, I give you my heart today. Jesus, I follow you all the way. It just—it really seems important to me that I and that you, you know, don't sing that, don't feed that, um, that promise, don't express that promise unless we really mean it. We don't want deception to take place in our hearts, in our minds. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Pilate's denial of justice for Christ and Peter's denial of a relationship with Christ seems to stem from the same root response. Pilate's denial of justice for Christ and Peter's denial uh, of a relationship with Christ. Those stem from the same root response, I believe, and that was self-preservation. Both knew Christ was innocent. Both knew the crowd was operating from a vendetta or from a grudge. And both demonstrated, both Peter and Pilate demonstrated extraordinary loyalty and resolve to defend Christ compared to the rest of the characters uh, recorded. If you look at Peter and Pilate and the way they leaned in, how close they stayed to Jesus up till the very last, uh, it's extraordinary. And yet that didn't cut it, that didn't make it. In the end, both conceded to the injustice and the will of the mob in order to save themselves, the pain of the association with Christ in that very trying hour and to save whatever social respect and standing they could, possibly to even save their own lives. In the end, Christ had no one to present his case or stand as his defender. Even the God-ordained earthly law was ignored so that the will of the blood thirsty mob could be fulfilled. So what does Jesus ask of us? 
In Luke 9, 23 through 26, it says, if any man, Jesus says this, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me in my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Jesus asks us to deny ourselves by losing our lives for Christ's sake. This means more than the fidelity and loyalty demonstrated by Peter and Pilate until they felt overpowered. You know, this was before the resurrection. Peter and Pilate may not have been heroes here, but neither were they villains. They did try. Um, nevertheless, they forsook. But this was, again, before the resurrection, before the infilling of the Spirit. We know how Peter responded after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, when the Spirit came at Pentecost, we know he responded very differently. And I don't know about Pilate. You know, I hope. There's, there, there is a tradition that says that Pilate sought out Jesus afterwards. Um, we don't know. But I would hope, and I don't know that I have real reason to hope, but I would hope that I would see him heaven someday and, and be able to ask him, uh, you know, talk to him about this whole experience. I'm sure it was the most trying hour of his life. Jesus asked us to lose our lives for his sake, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to actually give up self-preservation and follow. It's a radical call. And if you listen to commentators today, they talk about radical as being something bad. In fact, uh, talking about these two young men that, that dropped the bombs there, that put those bombs there at the marathon, uh, they talk about the radicalization of these young men. Well, being radical for Christ is good. It will bring us to good results. It will bring us to good eternal results. It's a call that goes beyond reason to follow Christ all the way. It's a call that will make your worldly friends perhaps pity you and your worldly enemies scorn and ridicule, ridicule you. It's a call that will many times not seem expedient or convenient or logical, but it is the call of the cross. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What will you do with Jesus? You know, what we do with Jesus in the hour of, of temptation and trial depends a lot on how we're acting, what we're doing in the hour of normal life. Are we taking up our cross? Are we following him? Is Jesus simply a hero in our lives? Or is he Lord, master of our lives? If he's only a hero in our lives, we'll probably cut and run in the hour of, of test and trial. But if he's Lord and Master, we'll move in. We'll come closer to Christ when the test comes. I'm going to go close the message there. There was a passage in Philippians, and you can look that up if you like, where it, it shows what our response will be to Jesus. The whole 
the whole chapter of Philippians 2, it seems to tie in very well with, with our response to Christ. I would encourage you to read that. But I'm going to close here. We're out of time. The Lord bless you. And uh, I pray that, that we'll lean in to Jesus, that we'll make him Lord and Master and, and the bread of our life. God bless you.